Street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Ah, we are live. We live. We live. Hello there, everybody. How are we doing? Um, so, yes, back to another SE review show. And uh, this one's a bit of an interesting one, um, but we'll get into the reasons for that in a moment. But before we do, let's uh, introduce everybody. Uh, so new face to the show, Lisa. How are you doing, Lisa? Do you want to introduce Hi. yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I am just learning SE. I just started a, a, my own channel and I'm about kindergarten level learning. And I'm just trying to share it and get more women's voices out there, hopefully. And uh, I'm just a beginner, so I'm happy to be here, ex-Mormon, so this video has a lot of interest for me. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Reed, how is, do, I, do we want to introduce Reed? Sure. <laughs> I'm Gorgeous Curiosity. Yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, Mark? I'm Mark, being reasonable. Uh, glad everyone's here, and uh, nice to meet you, Lisa. And, and just uh, it's just awesome when people are trying it for the first time and putting themselves out there it's it's hard to do you know it's you're you're, you're you know you're publicizing your mistakes sometimes and oh it's embarrassing look, yeah. exactly yeah. and you look at any of our earlier stuff like my early stuff is unwatchable so or <laughs> unlistenable in, case, in, in terms of the podcast so it just happens to all of us absolutely oh. so it's it's a oh, learning yeah. curve for sure don't worry about it, Mark. I listened to all of them. So, oh boy, uh, I thought it was great. I went to your early <laughs> to days. And was five like, minutes yeah, ago. I remember. I remember what it's like to start. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's like eye-opening about yourself for sure. Uh, yeah, and I'm Nathan. Uh, I have a, a YouTube channel, Abstract Activist. So you can check it out there. Definitely awesome. don't go back to my first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of all of you guys too, so I listen. Oh, cool. and oh that's awesome! I, I watched uh, all of your uh, videos so far. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, think I haven't sorry. missed any yet. No, well, yeah, I'm, I, th I think it's I'm, great. I'm gonna make sure to watch. Absolutely, yeah. I want to start wanna, somewhere. Like, What's the name I'm of the channel? Doing these streams because I'm trying to encourage more people to get out and do this. So, like, yeah, right, somebody's right. posting that. That to me is really encouraging. Like, that's great. That means you know yeah. more people are gravitating towards it, and I think that you do a great job. So yeah, what, what's I, the name of your channel? I didn't catch that. It's the road to reflection. The road to I've reflection. I've got like yeah. five followers. It's great. I like it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> take a look. We could we could do something about that for sure. <laughs> There's more to come. More coming. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So so yes, I'm well. I'm from my, my channel is Inspire Reflection. Um and this video today is gonna be an interesting one. Um, because normally on the SE review show, we want to focus on looking at an example of street epistemology and we talk about different uh, ways in which the street epistemologist might have approached the conversation and different questions that could have been asked and, and our reflections on the interlocutor. Um, in this example of this is this is really interesting because in, in this example, this video we're gonna watch today, this is an example of the street epistemologist choosing not to engage with the in conversation. Um, and it's an interview with between Anthony Magnabosco and a gentleman on the Mormon Stories podcast. Um, so Anthony was in a recording studio with the Mormon Stories team, and he's uh, there to do a demonstration of, of street epistemology. So 
all the pressure in the world there. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, all the more remarkable that uh, Anthony very early in this interview uh, chooses not to continue the conversation. And I think that's what's going to make this one a really interesting um interesting video to to review um so look out for that pay attention to what's being said and and look at the body language and and hopefully we'll notice why anthony may have made that decision um so yeah let's uh let's roll on everyone and welcome back to part three of my uh, episode with anthony magnabosco of street epistemology fame here on mormon stories podcast i'm your host john delin Today is like an epic dream of all dreams. We have in studio with us again, Kara Burrell. Hey, Kara. Hello. So good to have you. It's a dream. And we have uh, Anthony Magnabosco of Street Epistemology fame for part three. Hello. Anthony, thanks for joining us. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, we are so excited now to have in our studio as part three of this series on street epistemology a face that will not be foreign to many of my listeners and especially to Mormon Story super fans. Because once upon a time, I interviewed the one, the only, Sean McCraney hey! <laughs> on Mormon Stories podcast. Sean, how are you? Hey, I'm doing wonderful, thank you. Yeah. This is, this is great. And I called Sean just this morning and said, Sean, will you come on Mormon Stories podcast, not really knowing anything about Anthony or what street epistemology is. And I promise Sean, no gotchas, you know, no hijacking. We are literally just here to have a, a thoughtful conversation. And so that's what we're going to do. We are going to have Anthony Magnabosco um, employ street epistemology with the Sean McCraney. Sean, do you want to just tell our listeners really quick who you are and what you do? Uh, I was LDS for uh, 40 years, active, faithful, married in the temple, and I came to understand a different way to see the faith. I was an evangelical and trained under evangelicalism through Calvary Chapel for a few, uh, for about eight or 10 years. And then I saw the defects in that and I changed uh, things relative to the way I see the faith. And so now I am kind of a free-floating, heretical a uh, person that all the evangelicals hate, a lot of the Mormons hate, but I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> and and we love you, Sean. Thanks, John. And uh, yeah, okay. And and if people want to, just really quickly as a shout out, if people want to follow you or you've got a YouTube channel, right? Uh, yeah, it's Heart of the Matter, H-O-T-M, Sean McCraney, any of those will take you to our channel. Beautiful. And we've been doing those for about 16 years, just like you, John. Yeah. You're ahead of me by a few months. Well, you're an OG in so many ways, Sean McCraney. So we're going to have you back to tell your, your story, to give us an update, Sean. But today, we are just going to let Anthony Magnabosco loose with letting also Sean McCraney right. loose, and they're just going to have a conversation. So Anthony Magnabosco, I'm turning this over to you. Thank and you. you pretend, if you can, Anthony and Sean, pretend that not only me and Kara aren't in the room, uh. Pretend that there's no audience, because part of, I think, what's important about this is, is that it's really just a heart-to-heart -heart conversation between two people that honestly care about each other, even though they've maybe never met before. So I if, really if agree you guys that, can try to do that's a really nice thing to point out. Like, I think, I think 
everything about this is setting it up as if it's going to be sort of this this boxing cage match type scenario, you know, with these two titans going at it. And in fact, that that sort of narrative gets worse as things go on. Um, but but I actually think that idea that you know two people who really care about each other trying to work something out, like I just think that's really important, and sometimes often goes a bit a bit missed is that you sort of have to care about the person in order to firstly empathize and 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 also put in the effort of encouraging them to reflect like really um i think that that's just a very sweet sort of thing that, that i think often gets missed and it was nice to hear it there mm -hmm. yeah they're working together as a team they're trying to figure out uh how how if somebody else has the truth and i don't haven't figured out that truth for myself yet help me along the the path so i can learn it too for myself and if you think of each other as adversaries it's going to be very difficult to do that yeah, this is not a debate. We're not. This is we're the we're setting up something very different here. A very different kind of conversation. So it's exactly. good to set it up. Yeah, it's hard for me to even uh, consider sometimes talking to somebody who would normally participate in debates. Um, just for that very reason. So I like to just talk to strangers in the public. Mm -hmm. Do that. That would be our hope for today's conversation. Is that true, Anthony? I think I can do that. I, I that's usually what I do. Going, you know. The, leading up to this point is I'll set up a whole bunch of cameras, flag down somebody that I never met before and invite them to have a conversation where I use this approach called street epistemology. So I, I think I'm ready to do it. Absolutely. If you are, I am ready. I'm excited. Have, this is new and I can't wait. You haven't heard of, of that, this technique called street epistemology. I have not. That, yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's been going on since 2013. It's grabbed a lot of, a lot of people's attention because it's a way of talking with somebody about their views that is hopefully respectful and productive, um, where I try to take myself out of it as much as possible and make it about you to understand how you came to your conclusions that what you think is true is true. Fantastic. To hopefully leave you with a couple of thoughts, maybe like a pebble in your shoe of sorts to, hmm, that guy asked some pretty good questions. That's usually what, I, what I'm attempting to do when I'm using this approach. Yeah, someone's making a comment. Why does Anthony look a little shell shocked? This was like yeah. a, a jam day, like a whole weekend at yeah. this conference, and like he was lined up. I think this is like third three back to back. review back to back already for like this in the past twenty four hours. So it's pretty intense for Anthony. He does look like a hostage, to be honest. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard enough to do SE, but then do it in front of a crowd. I don't think I've ever done it in front of. It's usually just been me and that person, and to do it in front of other people kind of adds an extra layer, I think. Yeah, we've talked about this before, the idea that good street epistemology isn't necessarily a good spectator sport. Like, if you're really, if your focus is just the other person and the, the conversation between you and that other person, it doesn't necessarily always make for an entertaining video for spectators. And so... Not, not only is this a sort of very artificial sort of setup, if you like, initially for this this conversation, but clearly there's a there's a podcast audience to consider and other people in the room listening, and it's already built built up as this. Again, it's being referred to as a technique, as if there's going to be some sort of martial arts competition going on here between yeah. these two perspectives, which is a which is unfortunate. But and I the think hosts don't make that any better later on. <laughs> no, no, no. But but I think uh, Anthony, in many ways, if he, he is, despite the fact that he's definitely very tired i think you know it's quite he's already being quite clear and careful with what he's saying and i think it's 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 admirable i don't want to be too nice to him I, you know i don't like being nice to to to, to the uh, the elders but but i actually think he's it's remarkable how well he does here yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Um, generally, though, uh, in addition to it being a stranger, and you are, I never met you before before this day, um, it's usually up to the person to surface the claim as well. Like, I can explore whatever claim you want, but an, a, a key part of this approach of using SE is to have a connection with a person, a little bit of rapport. I know we met in the hallway briefly when I went to go wash my hands and that type of thing, but um, I would like to know a little bit more about you if possible and then answer any questions that you have about this approach and what I'm attempting to do before we even get into it. Because okay. I think that will really help kind of help us gel a little bit, which seems to be important later on. Yeah, all right. And this is weird because I want it to be authentic and real, but very little about this is authentic and real. You know? so <laughs> well, we are. It's a, we are. Yeah. We are. So we got that. All right. We got that. Is, do you have any questions for me? Do you want to know where I stand on any claim that maybe you want to talk about before we even get into it? Or No, I want you to take the lead and I will follow. I'll, I'll answer any question that you have relative to my, uh, my uh, faith and uh, where I stand and what I think and what I believe. Okay. Openly, cool. honestly. The, the little bit, I appreciate that. The, the little bit that I know about you. Yep. Is there a way that we could have opened up rapport there a little bit? Um, because it, it, this is a very artificial, therefore, you know, there, there may be an approach here that wouldn't necessarily be apply the general rule. But is it, can anybody, I couldn't think of anything because this is a lot of pressure. You know, there's a time constraint there, there, and, you know. He, but, but I think it was really cool that he was trying to say, look, before we start, we need to build a rapport. We need to build a bridge between us. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I don't know what he could have done to help do that very quickly. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, commenting on uh, the beard, or <laughs> making a joke, uh, uh, laughing at the ridiculousness of the city. Oh, this is Janusz. Now we got a German here. And now there's Germans <laughs> in the room. Although I like the, I like the initial anti-German sentiment immediately, so I, I that has warmed my heart. Thank you, Rita. <laughs> so. So Lisa, you're just starting off doing this. Have you have you found like a rapport building uh, a challenge, or is that something I don't know your background? But is that something that uh, you find comes easy to you, or when? How, yeah, how I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, and I love asking people questions. That's how I've always been. So cool. it's really kind of natural for me to like learn and get into this more. So Good. I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I like talking to people anyway, so. Yeah, I think that's a common theme. I would probably mm -hmm. think of, hopefully, all of us here. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, yeah, but I talk to people and cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anthony did a pretty good job just pointing out the elephant in the room. Nothing about yeah. this is really that natural. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is this is kind of like, you know, we're on a radio show. Like, just addressing the elephant in the room is a great way to, like, ease the tension. I think he did, like, considering that he didn't want to dwell on it too long, he did pretty much exactly what I would have done. I, uh, I agree. Yeah. Yep, yep. Is that you used to be in the Mormon church, uh, church of LDS, and then you left the church, but you still f believe that there's a God. You're still a Christian. Is that fair to say or? Definitely fair to say. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I left Mormonism, uh, I was still in it. I became a nihilist of sort. And uh, I was just talking to Kara about Marx Marxism, and I was a Marxist, and I was definitely into some different views of, um, um, you know, dialectical materialism and and what is real and what is true. And I so I discounted all faith while a Latter Day Saint, but I had a roadside experience um, that changed my heart, so to speak. 
And it helped me to personally believe that there is a God who's interested in his creations. Now, that's my experience. I don't say you have to have it or that my experience was even uh, legitimate. I just say that's what I've had. And then I've uh, pursued that stridently, ardently over the course of the past 20 years and have discovered it to grow into something that's beneficial to me in my life. Mm. So that's, that's kind of where I am and where I've been. Yeah, that's awesome. Seems very so, honest about that. One word you mentioned there was this. Yeah, how does one act in a nihilistic? That's interesting. But uh, just when I hear that word, that's just a red flag to, at some point, focusing yeah. on psychosocial motivations, but it gets into that pretty quick anyway, so yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that stuff up because when I'm using this questioning approach of street epistemology, I'm interested in what convinced you that this stuff is true. Mm. And I'd, I'd ask you to please not try to give reasons that you think I'll find convincing or listeners will no. find convincing. Because I want to understand like how you concluded that this stuff is real and true. Okay. You mentioned a roadside experience, a roadside, what did you call it? A roadside? Yeah, it's a roadside experience. Um, yeah. I was searching for ye for years as a tortured Latter-day Saint. I didn't fit the prototypical model in, um, Externally, I did. I look like, like I do now. I look like a missionary, and I obeyed the rules, and I did everything I could. But inwardly, I just the way I explain it is I was a sinner. I, I love sin, and I loved women, and I love uh, drugs, and I love getting high, and I love fighting, and I loved all these things of my flesh. And Mormonism didn't have the capacity to change me as a human being. Even though I try, went on the mission, married, did everything, Mormonism said, you do this, and hey, man, you're going to be okay. But inwardly, I knew I was a fake. I was a phony-ass human being as a Mormon. Now, I'm not saying all Mormons are, but I was. And that construct did not work with me as a human being. Okay. So I began to search and search and search. And that's when I had this uh, uh, metaphysical epiphany at a roadside in Southern California that altered my course. Interesting. Okay. So um, there's, there's, there's probably a, a few things already here that, you know, we, we there's always the, the fabulous lifestyles that pastors leave before they find Jesus. It, it's, it's, it's always a wild time, you know, that they seem to have. And uh, it, this is, it's a very familiar story in any case. And, and, uh, you know, joking aside, it, it does come up often. Um, there's, I think there's also an interesting point here where, where the roadside, uh, metaphor could have been a, a reference to the Damascus Road of Paul on on the Damascus Road moment, and and I, I wasn't a hundred percent certain whether or not that was the metaphor, whether it was le legitimately a roadside experience, and and uh, one of one of my first thoughts was to think to clarify that point, um, but but I think the more that the people lean into the the. That the before religion story about themselves, the more heavily they start to describe how terrible a person they were, um, it, it feels like it's already starting to set itself up for potentially a difficult uh, um, argument from utilitarianism, almost an argument from or, or an argument from utility or, or personal uh, well-being or something like this. It, it's it's I think this is the the thread that starts to evolve anyway. I want to maybe go a little broad here real quick. Um, and this might sound like a very weird question. Sometimes the questions I ask are kind of weird, but I'm wondering if you 
care if your beliefs are true or not? Is it important for you to have beliefs that are true? Uh, it's important for me to try to discover the truth as far as possible, but I don't think I have a handle on the truth okay. of what is he, what is eternal. I don't think I have a grip on that. No, okay. but it's important to get as close as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to make it about me just for a second, just to say, like, I agree with that. I think that I don't think we could ever really know the truth for sure, mm -hmm. but it is a pursuit of mine. Mm. I want to get as close to the truth as possible. Mm. But sometimes I meet people who say, it doesn't even really matter to me if this belief that I'm holding at the moment is factually true or not. Mm. And <laughs> not I, me. Okay. Interesting. Is it, I mean, that's, that's signaling, but is, is signaling when it comes to your, your view on how important is truth, is that maybe generally useful? I wondered if it was. I, I thought. I thought the same thing. I thought this is Anthony stepping into the conversation in a slightly uncharacteristic way. But I wondered if it was partly rapport building, saying, "Look, we agree about this. We've got this common ground. So maybe this was helpful in establishing a sort of baseline, if you like, for the conversation." Yeah, I think it's totally appropriate to just mention that. Like, I'm here to hear your thoughts about what you think is true, and that's like a great. I think Anthony portrayed his interest and maybe even his goal like he wants to know what the other person thinks about truth and why he's interested in having the discussion so uh mark does this thing on one through seven how important is the truth to you and i think that's a little bit more precise uh and um yeah yeah and i think there's different reasons to do that but one reason i don't know if that this is why anthony did it but um it would stink to get you know 30 minutes down in a conversation and then just to realize that the truth isn't, you know, the truth isn't all that important to the person you're talking to. And so you right. seem like you should have had a very different conversation to start off with because, you know, a lot of this often hinges on what we consider to be true and real. It's really good to nip this in the bud in the beginning because otherwise, and I'm doing it more and more in the beginning now in my current talks just because uh if you ask a question about how someone avoids confirmation bias or how someone tests their idea and they just dismiss the need for that because the truth isn't so important <laughs> then well, now yeah. well now you gotta rewind the clock and go wait wait okay so if it makes you get through the day and so you don't you know jump off a cliff or whatever that's a you know, you're having a completely different conversation about why you have the belief yeah Right. And I, <clears throat> I think it's uh, usually you wouldn't signal even agreement because if if you do that um, repeatedly and then at some point they say something, you do, suddenly you don't agree with them anymore and you say, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. That usually means, oh, OK, so now you're not on my side anymore. Mm -hmm. So usually we don't agree with we don't signal at all and we don't even agree with people, not for a poor building, but I believe that the. The question how important is the truth that might be an exception and just a a preparation for the actual conversation because that also shows honesty i want to know what's true i'm i'm in in this conversation because i think it's important what's true shared shared values are important i think especially if they're foundational yeah. values and and yeah right. it was a strange thing to see him step into the conversation like this but yeah yeah, yeah that's so funny and interesting like i didn't think it was that strange at all <laughs> huh Oh, well, not me at all. Good, good, good. Okay. Yeah. 
because uh, if you did, that could take the conversation in a different direction. Yeah. The, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, and this also might be a, th a tough thing to think about, but I'm wondering how difficult life could be for you if you started to wonder if your belief was true or not. Uh, well, I have wondered, and I, sometimes I wonder still. You yeah. know, you have to think that you've got some things wrong. What happens, uh, Anthony, for me is the crutch of my beliefs sustains me in my walk in this life. Without the crutch of my beliefs, I become that guy that I was as a Mormon. Okay. See. So, so here I now here I don't know where I don't know why Anthony knew to ask this question, this question, this far up. Usually when I ask these questions, it's a little bit further back. And I'm just curious, like what something happened that he knew he needs to ask about a motivational. So he was already talking about the transformative effect, I think, of his his belief. So he talked about the wild debauchery sort of lifestyle mm. okay. uh, prior to, and then then he talked wow. about the religion. And so there was already this thing. I, I think it's really good that Anthony, because this question is definitely chasing that down, right? It's like saying, what what impact is this going to have on you if you were to believe something different? You know, and and I think that that's just a it just showed that Anthony had just noticed already that this was potentially something that he was concerned about. And I I think he's not asking this question to encourage his partner to reflect. I think he's asking this question because he wants to be comfortable whether or not he wants to continue. Yeah, he's um, probing the ethics. Yeah, yeah, for himself before he gets started. Right. I think it's just because he knows that this guy, you know, a little bit about this guy's background. Maybe. Right. Because I, I, you know, I hear the background that he mentioned. And to me, I didn't hear like a red flag. Like, yeah, I was, you know, I was acting crazy and it was my youth and now I'm not, you know. And so I didn't really get more than that. But I think maybe uh, he did or he knew something or yeah, yeah. It's interesting because it's very similar to the story the pastor tells it in the we we did a DSC review session with him talking to a pastor outside of the Alamo and 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 the, the pastor says very similar story you know women drugs drink etc that you know the uh, fantastic story and 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 now of course you know he's treating it very differently but that that was that Alamo video was Anthony you know six years ago or something right it was a while ago and this is this is sort of more modern SE um and it, it's interesting to see that one of those things that seems to have changed is a degree of oh yeah care and empathy uh for the conversation so I think that's great it's good do, do you think that these uh stories from their from people's past like before they found Jesus might be a little bit embellished it's hard to say it's definitely hard to say yeah. um they all, they all seem fabulous, though, don't they? They're all living Wolf of Wall Street lifestyles, and then, <laughs> and then I mean, maybe they mean I was I like I was into drugs. I like I, I drank coffee all day. Who knows? You know, maybe maybe it's that. <laughs> I ha I had a kind of a experience like that before I, when I was a teenager, and I embellished that all the time. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> to, to make a point to because I was in a kind of a leadership position over the youth. And then I would tell the story about how I, I was doing all this crazy stuff. And then I decided to pray for myself and find out if the church was true and turn my whole life around and how much better and happier I am now. So I don't know. I did it. I'm not saying yeah. he did, but yeah. I, yeah. 
Well, I suppose I suppose the big the bigger the monster you were before, the more powerful the thing that's right. transforming you must be, right? And therefore, yeah. it's kind of evidence in a in a way, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. not really and it's like learn from my mistakes, you guys. Don't right. don't repeat this. Just go right to the good part. <laughs> Wait, which was the good part again? I'm, I get confused. Sustains <laughs> me in my walk in this life. Without the crutch of my beliefs, I become that guy that I was as a Mormon. Okay, see, that's an important revelation here to me because when I engage with somebody to explore the quality of their reasoning for thinking things that are true, mm -hmm. it could begin the process of helping a person, this is how I like to frame it, <laughs> best real, best realign their beliefs to the reality of the situation as mm. best they possibly can, um, which could, in, in basic lingo, it could actually cause you to doubt your belief. Sure. And if the outcome of that would be you becoming less of a good person or maybe if it would make life dip more difficult for mm -hmm. you, then I don't know if I want to proceed. But here's the other thing that's in the back of my mind niggling. Sometimes I think that people will say that stuff because they've been taught it or mm. they just think that that's the case. Mm. Have you have you seriously entertained that that is exactly what would happen, that you would find yourself struggling again if you did begin, begin to doubt? Does that, converse, does that question make sense? So this is Anthony uh, yeah, trying to prove for it being a, a testimony of the power of Jesus versus an actual real concern. And, and I, I think this is, to me, I've never seen any questions about this. I, this is not something that happens very often. And so it's, I don't know really? if anybody's encountered it. Well, I've, I've heard the narrative of the sort of transformative effect, but I've never really, I, I'm not familiar with any questions that we can ask where we we might get a, a a good indication as to whether this would be something that would psychologically harm the well-being of our conversation partner versus, um, as, so, as Lisa was just saying, uh, you know, maybe something that maybe a slightly embellished story to make the idea seem stronger. Because the problem, I think, the problem is that what you're trying to do is wonder whether you should continue or not, and and so I guess you kind of want to address, you want to find that out as quickly as possible and be as confident as you can in in the answer. And I'm not. So Nathan, do you have questions that you would you would ask in this space? Is this something you've encountered? Yeah, that's my my whole box of truth thought experiment. The second question, I I brought it up on a previous stream, but it's just like if is there if there's a box of truth and you can ask it anything that you want, um, you know, is there anything you wouldn't want to know or would prevent you would prevent yourself from opening the box to find out about the truth? And the second question is if you can only ask the box questions in which you're already confident, is there anything you wouldn't want to unlearn? In other mm. words, you want to maintain your confidence in this thing for some reason for your well-being or some, something like that. Cause I'm that's, I'm probing for psychological motivations. Basically. I'm like trying to see if this person is reliant or dependent or is using this belief as a crutch for some reason, because if there is something that comes up, I want to change the conversation to why that is usually, although I, I haven't always, but usually I divert the conversation towards, okay, well then, uh, you know, whatever they say, they wouldn't want to know the truth about. I typically ask how that person thinks other people get along without this belief. Um, 
and what they think about that. And so we can wonder about how other people cope with certain things like grief and loss and things like that. Yeah, I, I guess I would worry that the box of truth, I, I don't know, I think what Anthony's trying to understand is whether the harm that this person claims would happen to him psychologically, if the, the belief was not to be true, is is genuine, like whether there is really that whether he's there's sufficient reason if you like for him to be confident that without a religious belief of this sort that he his well-being would be damaged and i don't know if the box of truth would get to that do you do, do, uh, maybe i misunderstood well maybe uh yeah there's a there's the box oh. of truth. <laughs> you got that, had that up who made that <laughs> Thanks. it's like the uh, pulp fiction suitcase yeah, yeah. yeah did you make that David McDonald made it on the last video. He yeah, to okay. get that out. Nice. So. I was very flattered. I was very flattered when he made that. Yeah, um, you're famous. Yeah, so famous, so internet famous. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, keep listening to more and see where well, it goes. Well, what it was just one thing? Uh, I, I think there, there are. People probably often believe that if they didn't have their faith, it would make them uh, bad people. They mm. they wouldn't acting wouldn't be acting as as ethically as they are or morally right. right. Um, and a friend of mine who who also lost his Mormon faith a while ago said that there was this moment when he he basically was already struggling. He knew that he couldn't really believe anymore, and then there was this point where he realized wait if there is no god and i've been acting morally this entire time it was my decision i can just decide to be a good to continue being a good person and no one's stopping me from that and that's yeah. what lifted this weight off his shoulders and made him free and that was when he really started becoming more comfortable calling himself an atheist so it's been an interesting avenue to pursue in that talk that he had because it would be a way to talk about it in a meta meta way without actually talking about his specific belief that would have been exactly. an interesting avenue to yeah. Yeah. i'm actually kind of um the one thing i would have encouraged anthony to do differently in this video because honestly i think this is one of my favorite videos uh that anthony has done like he's clearly moved in such a more calming and clear direction with his style of se and i'm really liking the the trajectory he's on though i would have loved to hear more questions about this word crutch and like what do you mean by crutch and why do you yes. need this thing and what about other people who don't have this thing and honestly the box of truth thought experiment was just a, a way of flushing out all of these things so that i can ask like the kind of question that reed asks that's like what's the second best way to you know get through a tough time without this belief what's the second best way uh, you know, to achieve this psychological motivation that you're holding on to this belief in order to, in order to preserve your well-being in your mind, right? So, how do we, how do we better deal with that without this belief, or can we? So, so I think there are there are things there are two things that we might want to distinguish between. One is the is it is it possible for this person to live a good life without religion? And I think that there's plenty of examples of people being able to do that, right? That so, but there's that might be slightly separate from the real question here, which is that is is it is it is there more or less harm done 
by potentially undermining this person's confidence in their faith in this moment yeah. when you're not able to continue to help support that person's transition from that belief system into yeah. whatever that new thing is going to be right so the question is not really about whether or not it, you can be moral without religion it's whether or not this, this person, person this individual this you're talking to yeah. exactly it's yeah. all about them and how they get through the struggles and the daily life and all that yeah and when we were talking about beliefs in the past we've talked about beliefs as like a house and maybe the expression of the belief is the top layer of the attic of a house but you know when you're it's easy to go you know when you do se for uh, you practice it, it's easy to kind of quickly go down and get to the supports of the house. And you don't want to, you know, sometimes you're rattling the supports too much and um, and you realize that without those supports, the house falls, that it's not, uh, you're not benefiting the person and and, and you're not, the, the, converse, the conversation doesn't really, there's no good is really being done at that point. And so in the interest of good and not doing harm and, you know, in the interest of, I guess, human flourishing, that if you find yourself doing that, that is a good signal for you to, to maybe just back off and just, you know, think, rethink of the conversation you're having. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's, I think it's not about, you know, can, can we, we, it may not have been possible for Anthony to dissuade this person about, from his religious belief, but I think Anthony's taking the, the consequences of the possibility seriously, and, and I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, and then the question, of course, is, you know, if you can pull the house down, are you going to be there to help them build a new one? And and if you're not, then all you've done is just ruin somebody's house, right? Um, and, and that's, that's yeah, I like that. Sometimes and people are just, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, he's really sending mixed messages with what he's saying, um, Sean is. Like, I value truth. I really want the truth. I'm looking for the truth. Right. But also, I need this belief. It's my crutch. I mean, exactly. he calls yeah. it outright his crutch. So I can see why he, Anthony would hesitate and kind yeah. of pull back. Yeah. Yeah, and that, those mixed messages continue as well as Anthony's trying to help. And and I wonder, with from Sean's perspective, again, Sean's a pastor, I believe, and and therefore has has a sort of skin in the game. You know, he this is this is Definitely. his livelihood to a certain extent, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, and he's on a podcast, being you know clearly this is going to be shared with lots of people. So there's a, there's a certain PR exercise from Sean's perspective that needs to be maintained. Um, which, which, right. which, in and of itself, I think is going to make an actual, honest SE conversation very difficult. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I I think yeah, definitely that that sort of um, that 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 mixed signals thing definitely continues, and I think that's probably part of the motivation for that. And part and part of the when you think about truth in the abstract, and someone's asking you like scale from one to ten or one to seven, whatever, uh, you know, how important is it for you to believe in true things? It's easy to say. 10 or 7 because people often say because my belief is true well it's right. easy for me to say it because yeah. you know my belief is true so it's uh why wouldn't i say that so yeah it's yeah. Kind of where they're starting from there's one concept from psychology that i would probably keep in mind in these kind of situations it's uh related to this thing the hedonic treadmill have you heard of that mark no I haven't from psychology that. it's basically you know humans have certain set points of happiness like for them individually in terms of their psychology okay. and like really good stuff can happen Baseline. to them and then they'll just come you know they'll win the lottery but then they'll eventually get back down to this set level of happiness okay yeah, or people they'll like their rev level their rev level where they rev at yeah, in there yeah yeah they they might become paralyzed lose some yeah. legs lose an arm 
but they'll just come right back up, up to a set level of happiness. Yeah. So could someone lose their religion and still get back to the set level of happiness? I would hypothesize more likely yes than not. So in terms of psychotherapy, so this we're distinguishing psychotherapy here from SE because if this is a psychotherapeutic situation and I'm talking about, I'm talking to a client or a patient about an internal belief, um, this, the things that he is saying wouldn't necessarily dissuade me because that's, because he's under the care of somebody and he's, and we're, this is the point, you know what I mean? We're trying to deal with these hard issues. And so that, that's a good distinction between what psychotherapy is and what maybe what SE is. I, I, I'm aware of this. I didn't know the name of the treadmill, but like this, this is something I've, I've come across a few times. And, and the, 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 apparently on average, it takes about seven weeks from the, the, the most amazing thing that could ever happen to you or the worst tragedy you can imagine. After about seven weeks, you basically return to a baseline. But I think one thing that's interesting about that is that the, the inherent nature of that baseline just says your, your general sense of well-being, your, your baseline happiness returns. That doesn't necessarily mean your, your, your life your, the healthiness of your livelihood is is has returned to a normal cadence, right? So you could you could be happily dis, you know comfort you could return yeah. to a baseline of happiness, but be living in a, a self destructive mode of living, for example. And I, I guess that might be worth worth thinking about. Um, yeah, but but I, yeah, that treadmill is really interesting. It's it's very useful to remember if things are feeling good and bad in any given moment. Just give it some time; <laughs> things will even out. <laughs> Thanks. For this that too way. shall pass. <laughs> Yeah, I will continue here. Question makes sense, and the reality is true because as I have wandered over the course of the past however many twenty years, and I've uh, sojourned into realms of doubt, where I've sort of pushed some things aside, um, what the Christians call the former man quickly rises up in me, and I disconnect in my mind from the things I was holding true, and I begin to act on myself without those truths and it's an ugly scene okay yeah you're what i think i'm hearing is that your behavior could change significantly if you didn't think that this uh these claims were true unquestionably yeah yeah okay now maybe that's psychosis maybe you know i i have the mental issue that i need these things in order to keep me in line and maybe it's a reality or not uh, maybe it, maybe I could be a good guy without it. This is what I'm wondering. Yeah, but um, <laughs> come live with me. <laughs> ask my wife. Ask my daughters. Ask my family. Right. Yeah. Well, and I could, but I have you in front of me. Right. Like this is even better because you're the one that has these views. Yeah. And uh, so there's always a part of my mind when I'm using this approach is that I don't want to cause harm to people. I don't think you can harm me, brother. Okay. Okay. Yeah. However, and, and I know this might be difficult to conceive of if we did explore your reasoning for thinking that your conclusions were true about god i think that it's a likely possibility that you could begin to doubt mm. and maybe find yourself struggling with it mm. and uh, and that i don't mean that I, i'm not saying that to sound cocky but mm -hmm. i'm just trying to lay it all out there because i feel terrible if we did keep talking and you did find yourself struggling and and having difficulties as a result of it hmm. probably is he helping to write the ethics module for the SE course project right now? Because like I'm wondering, yeah, I'm yeah, wondering he's, if he's like got that on his mind pretty heavily. Yeah, potentially. I think at this time we were working on module three though, but but we have been outlining that and talking about all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, this principle comes to mind. When said, you know, he doesn't want to cause harm, but this is a little different. It's like the first priority for what to believe should be that it causes no harm. But should our should it be when we're practicing SE, the first principle is to cause no harm? Like, I don't think. I don't think so. Oh, it might not be a good principle really? for SE necessarily, but it certainly is a good for being a human being. I mean, it, it's. It, I think it's important to be a human being on the street of epistemology second, I would say. Well, well so what do you think, Reed, about that? I mean, what is what should be the first, what is the first principle in your mind of? Um, having friendships of virtue. And uh, I really want to know what people believe. And if people value truth themselves and they want to believe true things, a good friend would help them challenge whatever belief they have, regardless of what harm it causes them. If that's well, what their relationship wants to be like together, that's different. I think, though, because again, the context there is that you're in a friendship with somebody, which is a long-term thing, right? That in theory, it's almost like you're about to get on an airplane and never see that person again, and that you know you could say something to get them to question everything about their worldview, and that that would have a, a significant impact on their well-being in the short term. And would you say that thing just before you got, there's a, there's a thing about the general, the dying general. Um, I think the thought experiment goes something like that there's a general dying and, and they, he thinks that the, uh, that they're in the middle of a very important war and they know if they lose this particular battle, the war is lost essentially for their, their, their side. Um, and they have lost the war, but the general's dying and doesn't know it. And the, the lieutenant goes up to the general and the general says to the lieutenant, did we win? The question is, should the lieutenant say, tell him the truth? He's going to pass away in the next few moments anyway. So does the, does the lieutenant say the truth or does he tell the lie and let him pass away in comfort? Um, and and it, it, it's, a, it's an interesting question, right? And I, I wonder if, if there's nothing you can do about it, is it is it better still to remove the band-aids that are holding somebody together if if you can't be there to help put better ones on there i'm not sure i'm not sure it's always the tr the way that, that would be true yeah i think i would i mean i just i would argue the case that and i'd see where, where he's coming from that if what we're doing is causing harm then i mean to me i guess maybe it's how you see the goal of se maybe that's what it is i see the goal is like the larger goal maybe humanistic goal is to reduce suffering that's how i see the, the point of it you know the and and but that's not that's how i see it and that's not necessarily how other people see it and i think reed has mentioned before that that he does it we do we all do se for different reasons and that's fair i mean you know who knows you know all different individuals and i remember having kind of a conversation with, with reed about that and he does why he does se and, you know, right. It might differ. Well, I, I think uh, the the moral landscape could be useful uh, exploring this because this this uh, thought experiment experiment with a dying general is basically saying, uh, what if all it did if someone said they value the truth, but you you telling them the truth or helping them find the truth causes nothing but increase but increasing the amount of suffering. For that person, or maybe for other people, um, would it be worth it? And I think usually when we talk to people, when we use street epistemology and we want to explore what's what's true, and they also tell us they want to explore what's true, what we think is um, 
using better epistemology helps us make better decisions and helps us in some way make life better for ourselves or other people. So I think usually we, when we, when we do SE, we think of it as even if it does cause you suffering, losing your faith is usually or almost always connected to some sort of some amount of suffering because it hurts always finding that something that you used to believe is false hurts. But um, on that moral landscape, maybe that's just going through a valley and then getting to a higher, higher peak of well-being. Um, right. I think that, that's usually how I think about it. But I, I don't want to do it just for the sake of truth alone, but I'll also do it in order to help people make the world just a tiny bit better. Reed, do you, do you have something to say about Because I just, I was trying, I didn't want to put words in your mouth when I was, okay. That was close, yeah. That was good. I, I would I would totally agree. I mean, fundamentally, I think it's it's a better long-term strategy to believe true things, even if those things are uncomfortable to us. And I think we, I believe that of myself, and I would hope that, and I would suspect I would believe that of anybody, in fact. And even if it does cause short-term suffering, or even potentially even long-term suffering, in the, in the long, long run, I think it will, be better to believe true things. Um, it, it allows you to find the right solutions to the right problems because you now know what the right problems are, I guess. And so then I guess that would then open the question, is there ever a time when, so Reed, I guess, would you would you ever disengage from a street epistemology conversation? Is there anything that you could think of that might make you think, maybe I don't want to pursue this? Or have you ever done that? If the person has a history of attempting suicide, that would be a clear red line right and it's and that and their belief in something whatever we're talking about is directly to tie to that well-being that's sustaining them in the moment mm. yeah so my line typically is informed consent like i just want to make sure the other person has informed consent i feel like that's what anthony was trying to do he was just laying it all out there you could be swayed in one way or another. If your confidence were to change, how would you feel about that? Or what kind of person would you become? And if I'm hearing somebody say, I I'd become, you know, a narcissistic, you know, so-and-so that just wants to hurt everybody. Well, okay, now slow down. I want the conversation to be about why that is. I would just pivot the conversation to that instead. Um, so, I mean, you can still do SE with that. It's just that it would be less about why they think it's true and more so about um, what kind of person they would become and why they think they, they would become a different person. Is it interesting that Reed said death, the risk of suicide? Because in my, in my mind, um, I, I see there are plenty of things worse than death that... Going on in a, an entire life with deep suffering in my mind, it would, I see that as worse than, worse than death. I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't it have something to do with some people whose their belief becomes their identity and it's who they are and that's fundamentally at their core is what they believe. And so they can't separate their beliefs. They think they wouldn't be themselves. Like Absolutely. letting go of the beliefs, not even an option. Absolutely yes. right. Uh. And the problem with people in that space, of course, is they're utterly convinced of the, the truth of it, you know, to, to the point where they've they've psychologically blocked out any questions. And so the problem with informed consent is 
you know, they would concede to doing it because they wouldn't take seriously the proposition that Anthony's trying to outline here, which is that, hey, there's a very real chance you may not believe what you presently believe. And and that that's not likely to be a proposition that I think is taken seriously, um, which makes consent difficult. They, they may say yes, it's, I'm happy to continue, but they may not be taking I, seriously yeah. potential yeah. implications. I've actually found myself in a situation just like that, where I I try to gain informed consent, and like little subtle hints kept cropping up that this person may not be capable of giving me the informed consent I asked for, which is really like a tough position for me to be in. Yeah, I remember um, that video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here's John. <laughs> Jonathan called quality questions. I started a conversation with a woman who said her religion was what helped her through depression when her child passed away. I disengaged because I was too worried about causing harm. This sounds like deja vu from like, yeah, uh, you know, I had a similar conversation. Video. My very first video. Yeah. And it was, uh, that was challenging. I didn't, um, that, that was on the line. I think it was, uh, it was a difficult one. That is on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and but here's another thing to think about is that we we don't always get to know the what well-being these ideas are holding up for people so 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 in those examples we found out about that there was there was a you know a child and, and a depression there, there are likely to be lots of occurrences where we will be talking people out of positions that may be holding them together and not know you know yeah, that sure. these things so um I think it. I, I don't think that's a reason not to do this, obviously. Um, but I do think it's like really worth bearing in mind and just uh, having an idea of this. Oh, I think it just illustrates the need for it even more. It just pivot the conversation towards why. Right. I, basically, what you said, Nathan, is you you just uh, change the claim instead of talking about the claim what they believe is true with the, the thing that you started with. You you talk about the claim or the belief that. I would not be able to handle X, Y, Z without this belief. So it's worth maintaining. It's worth not questioning. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's probably and, good. Yeah. Yeah, Lisa. We don't want to do any harm. I, I get that. Like, you don't want to cause harm. But like, I was looking back at in my life, well, there's the harm caused by holding these beliefs and holding so tightly to them and not being able to question them, that causes harm. And so you have to weigh no. that out a little bit. Like I, I see people suffering and you, in these religious belief systems currently yeah. every day. And it's so, it's so tough to, to weigh that when you're, when you're still holding the belief because you don't see it as being connected to the belief, right? You maybe you, you may feel some sort of suffering, but you can't really point point the finger at it or or like, like really uh say that it's because of the belief it, it maybe it's you, you find some alternative explanations for why you're feeling bad maybe it's it's the right. devil it's not or the it's, it's, it's it's not the belief else. it's the world it's me i'm not good enough for yeah stuff like that i'm not doing it right i'm not yeah good enough yeah, all the things so, yeah. so this is one of the interesting things about Sean's claim because he was saying at the beginning like he he, he didn't he didn't believe it with a with a hundred he you know he left room for uncertainty I think I don't think they got a confidence scale but I think he 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 said he didn't they agreed that they couldn't know for sure and that he was open at least a little bit which I thought was interesting um, and and then he was talking about the components of this belief being necessary for him to 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 to, to be a good person but clearly if he's not a hundred percent certain then 
I'm, I'm interested. I would. It's kind of fascinating to me. I would like to understand how what components of this belief um, are. You know, is it just uh, you know the concept of a higher power? You know, watching over him to, to to punish him. Is it the threat of punishment that might be you know concerning to him? You know, in in the afterlife, is it is it the mm -hmm. idea that he's being watched in some way by a a, a creator? Anthony uh, asks those questions later on. Yeah, we should yeah. probably get, we should probably get back to the video. He does, should, yeah, should. and he says no, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I have I'm, more questions. I invite you to bring struggle to my life because the, your previous question was, do I care about truth? Yes. So if what you have to bring to me is true I, I don't care if i go back i care about the truth that's paramount in my life interesting so if you can unmoor or undermine what i have established as my superstructure for living please do it if it's true i'll consider it even if it causes some defect from my from my yeah. moral life okay maybe one last question before we get into your reasoning i'm wondering surely you, you must well you know you know these folks here they don't believe in any gods mm. How do you think people who don't think God is real manage to cope with these difficulties of life? And what what does their superstructure look like without God? How do you think that they do it? Oh, I think they do it with reason. I think they're, uh, you know, from my perspective, are made in God's image. So they have great capacity to function and live. Uh, I mean, without God, we still have, you know, a pretty damn good life. Uh, a lot of food and fun and, and relationships and, and hope and, and care for each other and service. All the things that religion brings, everyone has at their access. So I don't see a need in this life for anybody to have to have God in order to get by. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I'm wondering if they can do it. And I'm, I'm in that camp too. Like, I don't believe in any gods. I find tremendous meaning and value. Like, we just met, and I think, like, you're a really cool dude, and I think we would have a fun time and be nice to each other and all this other stuff. Um, what, are we, what are we lacking? Or how is, how is our structures different than your structure? Like, what would you be missing? Um, yeah, what specifically do you think that you'd be missing if you did start to doubt and wonder about the belief? I forget what he says, but my first hypothesis is this. He said, in this life, so that relates to this in my mind. Have, the, have way to deny the existence of death. Yeah, that meets yeah. the psychological need for control, yeah. like feeling like you're, you're safe to survive your death if you have this belief. So that's one red flag. What I would be missing is what I personally consider uh, a metaphysical support that can't be proven that's within me. That is, I believe that I have a presence of God, not special, anybody does, who acquiesces to faith. And I've acquiesced to faith. That's an acquiescence. It's not a reality. It's not true or known. It's what I believe. I acquiesce to that faith. And that sustains me in my walk metaphysically. Now, maybe John and Kara and you, you're, you don't need it. Maybe yeah. you can walk without that. I need it. You need I need that faith in place uh, because I've tasted it. I, I know what I, my life is like without it. And if I don't have it, there's a loss. There's something within me that is sorrowful. Perhaps that, and maybe you might say, well, you're coming to reality with the hardness of life, Sean. That's fine. I, I can accept that's, that could be true because I walk by faith. However, I need it. And so I always will say, that's me. I take it, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I want you, the crutch. You need 
this is something that comes up a lot is I wonder if like in this in this space or, or the, the, the presence of God it, is, is a sort of synonym for internal self-control or just a, a, a recognition of, of the need for constraint or restraint um you know I, I hear a lot of people talking about um religious experiences which which I can empathize with that uh, you know the that I think uh, actually we were talking Lisa and I were talking today about the the sort of Mormon use of, of you know love bombing and things but also you know beautiful music being making you feel emotional and sort of excited and giving you the goosebumps you know anybody else would say oh that's that's a lovely piece of music oh i got goosebumps you know but and you know obviously in a different uh framing that's oh that's the holy ghost acting upon you right and and you know so so i'm wondering if people um sort of have a sort of disconnect between their own psychological frameworks such that they want to see them as if they're coming from something outside of themselves when actually all all he's recognizing is um, that the the immediacy of benefits of just acting with 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 prudence and with self control and not giving up to impulses and that those things are beneficial, you know, and and that that you can live a good life and he equates that with this religious narrative, but ultimately, and therefore it becomes provable because if he calls that living with God, then to him living with God definitely results in a better life for him. I I wonder if it's almost a definitional issue at this point. Perhaps, yeah. Go on. Yeah, you need faith and you're you're calling it a crutch. You recognize that. Certainly. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And you you think it's true? Uh, okay. Um, epistemologically, the beliefs I have, I don't think are true. I place my faith on them because I don't think I have a handle on the truth, so I could be wrong. Okay. So epistemologically, I don't say my beliefs in this and this and this are true. However, what I do believe is true with a capital T is like the guy in, in scripture, I have to quote it, where Jesus heals a blind man and the, and the Pharisees say, you know, what happened? He said, I don't know. They said, well, do you think he's the son of God? He said, look it, I was blind and now I see. That's what he said. And that's what I say, I was a fucker, and now I'm not as much of a fucker. So if that's the reality for me, that's truth with a capital T. I don't impose it on you. Yeah, I love you, yeah. we party, we do what we want. But for me, that crutch works as a truth with a capital T. And you would see and experience that in our relationship together. I see, okay. I think that was brilliant. Uh, like, uh, when Anthony said, okay, so you're saying it is a crutch and et cetera. And then he said, but you believe, you think that it's true and just making sure. So you do believe you do think that it, it's true. He said, think, I believe. Um, and he said, well, not really. And usually when people uh, appeal to faith, they usually say, I know it's true because I have faith, but he's saying, no, I don't, I'm not, I don't think that it's true. I, instead of that, I have faith. Right, I I think he was appealing to the experience again. I think this is what I was just talking about a moment ago. I, I, that wasn't intentional, but I think he's talking about it is it is true that if he adopts this view, like his world is better, like and that for him is sufficiently true. Like he's not claiming epistemological truth. He's not saying this is certainly true, but he he for him it's true that with this 
philosophic this worldview um it, it might even fall into the category of useful fictions which i know um, brett weinstein talks about quite a bit the idea of treating a gun as if it's loaded even if you know it's not is uh, has benefits right because ultimately you'll be you'll be checking yourself all the time to make sure that it's not loaded because you're 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 using the fiction the useful fiction that it's true so i'm wondering yeah. if if this is a psychological useful fiction and and the, the truth of it is not really in contention yeah, I, for this kind of thing, I usually use a, a thought experiment where I, uh, I tell the person, we're usually sitting outside my house, and I say, inside my house, there's a closet. In my closet, there is stacks and stacks of gold bullion. Gold bullion. I've never actually opened the closet to check, but it's my belief, and I believe it. And because I believe it, I'm a better person. I, I'm happy all the time. I, you know... Uh, I give money to charities because why wouldn't I? I'm rich as could be, and I know I have no worries in the world. And so I'm a better person because I have a stacks and stacks. I believe I have stacks and stacks of gold bullion in my closet. Let's suppose just just let's suppose that the reality is I don't have stacks and stacks of gold bullion in my closet, and then that sort of starts off. Where should we align our belief? That's good. I like that. I, I was speaking to a Catholic gentleman who was at the end of his, uh, I think, uh, we'd been speaking for quite some time about his religious beliefs. And one of the things he said at one point was that, you know, he was he was sort of representing it as, look, even if it's not true, it's still it's still good to believe it. Like, why, why would you want to take this away? Because it's still good for me. You know, believing it helps me understand it. It's my framework for understanding things and it helps me get through my, me through my life. And I thought about that a lot because he seemed not to, 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 to sort of fall into the sort of epistemological reasons for believing and, and was just making this weird claim or not weird claim, but this claim. And, and I said, I ended up, the answer I gave was, I think that uh, honesty can't be taken away from you. But you're, you could lose your faith, and I feel that people might lose their faith almost at the point where they need it the most. You hear people losing their faith at the loss of a child, for example. You know That's a tragic thing to happen to somebody, and that's also the point where they suddenly realize they don't have their faith either. So now not only have they got a great need for it, but they also may have lost it. So I, I think that sort of slightly speaks to this idea that, um, that, that, that even if it is offering well-being, that we would want better things to be there, right? You would want to better to know whether the gold bullion's there or not, right? It's better to know whether you're yeah. because, because you can't take away an honest truth, but you can take away a false belief if that's been useful up until that point. Um, so yeah, yeah maybe what, what if you that. actually have to cash in on that gold bullion because you ran out of your hey. regular income? So you go to your closet, you open it up, it's not there. Like, could that be catastrophic for you? like you spend everything already so now like what kind of position point. are you in there are times this when all, our beliefs just... sort of come come in contact with an objective reality exactly <laughs> yeah and all, all of this kind of um for me reminds me of number 15 on the survey um is it okay to accept something as true because it is comforting um and for me my go-to on that one is an outsider test and so if somebody else came here and they were concluding what they were concluding, albeit different than what we're concluding. And they're concluding what they're concluding because it makes them comfortable or because they think it's virtuous or good to do so. Um, could there be a conflict between us down the road at some point? 
Or could that reasoning that they're using lead to other things that they conclude, which eventually could lead us into conflict? Um, and how would we get out of that situation? Those are the types of questions I want to ask around that situation, just to see what they think about other people that might be using the same epistemology that they're using. Um, I'm at this point in this conversation, I'm kind of wondering, um, Anthony tried to get informed consent. Are you okay with us exploring this, even if it could mean that you might lose or you, you could start to doubt. And now Hindi said, absolutely. If you have anything to bring to me, anything that's true, bring it on. And now he's saying, I really do need this crutch. Other you people may not need it, but I definitely need it. So basically he's saying, if that means that my my life goes down the drain, everything falls falls to pieces, Every do it, still do it. And I think that's like from an ethical point of view, when someone says, please ruin my life, do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> if well, you can, I like... Please try. I have a Come on, Reed. I see that look on your face. <laughs> Lisa? Uh, Lisa. I, I wonder if he would have like picked a specific claim that they could he could have focused on, maybe not um maybe something that wasn't so integral to his whole well-being in life, yeah. just something and then that would have been a better direction to I don't know, to keep it. Yeah, like, a lot yeah. of this preamble is basically Anthony deciding whether to really get started or not, and I think ultimately it it demonstrates. Yeah, he he chooses not to. I I think, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I, I would agree that right now there's there's not even a specific claim on on the board. That there's nothing really to chase down. Um, I, I one thing I think that just on reflection of some of the things we've been saying already is is actually one. I think we've maybe missed a component here, which is the whether or not talking to Sean about this belief was good for Sean's well-being but actually yeah Anthony definitely has is, is, is had a long day he's very tired and and you know it may genuinely be not good for Anthony's well-being to continue this conversation in this moment right he, he may just not feel he may be concerned but also he may not just feel like he has the energy to to do this and and so that there's definitely a factor there that you know I, I think I could definitely feel incredibly uncomfortable very quickly if I wasn't really in the right um, space to do this uh, interview well, when it's somebody who holds yeah. this this kind of position and is attaching it to the well-being so that, that the stakes are very high i definitely think i could i could feel like i might want to back off even if i didn't think it would harm sean i think it might be uncomfortable for me mm -hmm. yeah a poorly done se could definitely you could argue that is worse than doing no se right that's also true yeah yeah if i've if someone said ruin my life it's it'll be worth it uh as long as i get to the truth i would lean towards ruining their life because <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah what? i thought that i thought that reed would say that yeah <laughs> go on because there's, because there's more to morality than yeah. harm and fairness from you sure. as a quote from the righteous mind at the like a whole section of the book like it's i would true. feel like i would be betraying you know <laughs> their values of pursuing the truth and my own values of 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 pursuing truth you know so we're and saying I, like I maybe we're being a little paternalistic in how we're approaching yeah if truth is the top of the hierarchy of the values not harm 
then pursue truth regardless of consequences. Right. And I think I align myself a bit more towards Reed than... Yeah. This is exactly why I thought this conversation was going to be interesting. And this is exactly where it needs to be. And, and yeah. it's almost the video is almost secondary to the fact that this conversation is... is I, I, I've not heard many people talk about this idea. Um, and I think it's a good thing to talk about. Um, it's interesting because I feel I feel that impulse that you're you're describing there, Reed. Because like, if you're going to do it, then you have to be consistent with it. You have to do it, you know, honestly. Because if it really is about it, um, you know, encouraging people to reflect on the truth and 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 hopefully find more truth, and that if you really believe that's good for the world, then you have to apply it. But like, at the same time, we do recognize that we wouldn't want to have that conversation with the lady who'd lost a child recently, right? There are exceptions. There are boundaries, Mark, and it's Mark did it. I was there. Mark did it. <laughs> I did it. But Mark's a monster. We know this. <laughs> well, I mean, I was, but I, I forgot the reason why I went through. I mean, it was. I, I mean, Mark why. did it, and then the guy left for ten minutes that you could think about the ethics of the situation, and then he came back and you continued. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought he was just I thought he was giving me an excuse so he could leave. One of the SE assumptions is that people are not so fragile as we think. Yeah, they I mean, are. That's we like part make them yeah, out we, to be like we, so fragile and gentle, treat like, people like children. And right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people are going to be fine. As a matter of fact, yeah. I mean, most time, most of the time, I have had talks where somebody like you know told me later that they their world was rocked for days and days and they like thought about it for hours and hours but like they didn't tell me that they were like gonna you know hurt themselves because of it i haven't had anybody that got, went that far um most people are really resilient and they're flexible and they're bendable and they and they slowly process over time uh, uh, you know so the question is with our interlocutor here is do you think he's more flexible than he's saying he is because as we go on and watch this video it seems like I think probably if I was doing this, I was like, yeesh, I probably should stop because, I mean, this guy's like hanging on a thread here. I mean, I don't know. I would have kept going. I would have kept going. I would have kept going, though my direction would have been about the why for the crutch and just made it about that the entire time. Mm. Reed, would you have done the crutch or would you have gone straight into the epistemology? Of just like the claim that he needs this belief uh, in order to be a better person. Or without this belief, he would do things that would be, you know, not beneficial for him. And having the belief makes it more beneficial for him. And I just want to explore that. Like, what? why can't you have the benefits without the belief? That's a good What's route. preventing you from doing that? That's a good route. And, and if the belief is false, at the end of the day, wasn't it you the whole time who was doing all the good things for your life? Like, how did you, how did you manage all of these beneficial things in lieu of something untrue? Mm -hmm. And I, mean, I so yeah, that, I'd also that try would be to the... just probe for the specific psychological needs this this, yeah. this person is using this belief to meet, and brainstorm alternative ways to meet them, and maybe... while while bouncing back and forth between epistemology and that, just to break. You know, give yourself a break from each one by just switching from one conversation to the other. To the topics. There was there was a video you did in the park about a few weeks ago where you had a, a young young boy, young lad sit in front of you, and uh, and I, I was so waiting for you to do Santa Claus right in front of him. <laughs> just, <laughs> Santa, just uh, <laughs> wait, well, well, did you just call someone else a monster? 
Hmm. It was, it's interesting. <laughs> Anything to talk about? Now we're going to keep probing. Or, yes. or keep, I'll keep going. Here we go. This is awesome. So I think what I'm hearing here is that uh, because the did you say faith belief? I, I'm kind of curious how you're describing uh, the word faith, but because you have these views, yeah, and they're contributing, they're contributing positively to your life that's good enough for you to think that it's true. It's good enough for me to personally accept it as viably true in my life. Because you benefit from it. Right. Yeah. And I have tested it. It's not like it's yeah. some new, I'm not new right. to it. Right, right. I've tested the hell out of and it. And the test would be like back when you didn't think that it was true, I guess uh, you, you didn't have a nice life back then. You were no, struggling. And no one did around me either. Even worse. Yeah. yeah. I didn't and neither did they. Sure, sure. Okay, so there's something unique about this belief that you think that you need to have it, and because it serves its purpose, that's good enough for you to think that it's true for right. you. For me, yeah. 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 Okay. And that's where I can say for me, this is true. Can you prove it? Oh, hell no. I walk by faith. Yeah. Well, 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 how do you prove it? Well, all I can say is I was once blind, now I see. I was once a jerk, now I'm nicer. You know, so... Mm. That's Sorry, how I prove it. You know? Pause the video one more time, but but it is interesting noticing that he's now not saying it's just his well-being that's on the line here, but the well-being of those around him. And I think he starts to double down on that very quickly now. You'll see that he's escalating the impact of not believing the the position. Um, and and it, and I, I I strongly suspect, as Lisa was saying, like this is this is this is evidence of the transformative power of the belief to a certain extent. But I find it strange because it's not a transformative power of a thing that he believes to be true either which is which is strange or, or you know is capital t truth in the in the epistemology of the claim but anyway yeah just wanted to notice that that he's now bringing in the well-being of others so even more reason for anthony to be a little bit nervous yeah i don't have anything else right yeah if there was a better way to prove it or to show that it was actually true would you want to know sure Okay. Yeah. Like psychologically and, you know, do I, is it medicine I need? And is it this and that, would that science bring me out into further light and knowledge? And I would be able to say, well, God isn't necessary. I've realized that the genetics of my makeup have, have, uh, all it needs is a little scientific tweaking and, and I take the medicine and suddenly I say, wow, I don't need God at all. Sure. I'll go down any road you can offer me, but, um, I have to preface it with none of the things I've tried in the past. From religion to study to medicine to alcohol to drugs to aberrant sex, nothing has given me the vision that the blind man received. And that's that's what has made me so determined to do what I do. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I do have one more question that maybe you can ask me any questions you want to return or you guys can jump in. I don't know if you guys are enjoying this or not. I've, I actually did forget that you guys were here because this is just. Is, is Kara enjoying this? Fascinating to me. Am I enjoying this? Is um, this what I do for a living is watch my most. This is a fascinating conversation. Trust me. I'm this so is excited. Like, this, this is like really cool. Ollie Frazier, but not at a fight. It's no, like, uh, no. Yeah, thanks. Well, thanks for setting up the, the bout. Yeah, I don't know why we're framing it as a battle. Like no, this. no, no. It's not a battle, <laughs> but it's. It's just that epic for me. This is the John Delaney equivalent of Ali Frazier. All right. Yeah, I love how Anthony just like goes goes with it because I would have been annoyed by this so bad as an SE practitioner. I've just been like, 
you're stepping in and you're calling this a fight. Now we sound like adversaries. It's like building this kind of yeah. like mythology that we're opponents or uh, yeah. tribal on other sides, right? And I'm trying to tear down the walls, not build them up. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, no. But, I, I can't imagine maybe a worse scenario for it, like Street of yeah, Epistemology. It's it just absolutely oh, so, a bombshell. Unfortunately, yeah. and it's not on purpose. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They're just excited. They're just excited to have these two, yeah. you know, you know, people. SE, Battle on. Royale. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really want to see your reaction, Nathan. Uh, I, I would probably do what they're doing just to see how you would react and how angry no. you get. <laughs> I'll be like, quiet, you. <laughs> Keep going here. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you're Ali, bro. All right, are, you, all right. are, you, are you kidding me? You're freaking Ali. <laughs> Sorry, that means you're crazy. He's looking at you. And I don't he has, even a, know who won. has like, no idea who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing? Uh, this boxing? <laughs> so, that would be more okay, my reaction um, right there. <laughs> like, I am wondering here that, okay, let me, let me kind of summarize where I think we're at. Hmm. That um, you're not sure, you're not entirely sure that it's true, but it's good enough to think that it is because you're deriving benefit from it. Is that fair? Because I have a follow-up question based on that. And I can repeat that if you want me to. It's fair with the exception of I do walk by faith. And so I have uh, given faith to principles and teachings and ideas that I can't prove are true. Yeah. But I do believe they're the best thing I'm looking at that is out there. So I hold them as true. But I am willing to say there's wiggle room in there. For instance, you know, who is God? Well, I don't know. You know, I believe in it, right. him, her. But according to what I have put my faith on, I'll say, well, yeah, I think that's true. And I'll probably die and just wake up with a you know, great surprise. But nevertheless, I do think my beliefs at this point are true in the sense of they can be supported by where I place my faith. And so I have to add that little qualification, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Are you claiming a victory there, Larita? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not getting a surviving the death sort of vibe though. Not so much. Like it doesn't feel like that's. But maybe I'm missing it. But you did call it out. <laughs> so fair for me. <laughs> yeah. it does. You said I think that you have a podcast or a show. Here's what I'm wondering, though, is that are there listeners who are consuming your content and thinking that this is true when we've uncovered that the belief serves to meet your own personal needs? Yeah. Uh, could you be propagating a false belief simply because it meets your own personal needs? No, because anybody who listens to me now knows that I say, look, this the faith is subjective it's not objectively derived and delivered it's yeah. subjectively interpreted you believe what the hell you want to believe i can't tell you what to believe i believe this i'll teach it but know that it is entirely subjective and it's up to you to determine if you like what i say or don't if you don't i love you carry on you may be right and so that's the approach that we take with the podcast or the the stream or whatever it might be. Okay, That's cool. He cool. seems to be saying you well, can pick which one of the gods you wish to believe in. You can have any god you like as long as it's a god. There was there's sort of there was an essence of that earlier. Like you know, I, I don't really know the nature of the god. I don't know which specific, but it definitely seemed that there was some confidence for sure that there is a god. And it it certainly is interesting to point out that it's not just something that he's using to 
elevate his well-being and, and, and sort of stabilize his life and sort of a useful tool but he's also built a career on this and and, and it's a podcast about this and is presenting this as at least testifying to its utility to him um, and therefore at least suggesting the idea that it might be useful to other people which definitely goes beyond the sort of psychological tool that he was alluding to it being up until this point and look pine creek if that is your real name <laughs> no, it's a compliment. It's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> you would have really liked what we just talked about before I got on, too, by the way, yeah, about yeah. the sensitivity issue. Thank you very much for your time. I mean, this is great. I, I'm so, as a person who's using street epistemology, just to pull back the covers a little bit, like I'm really tempted to, to keep pursuing this. But I don't think it would be healthy for you if I did. Really? Honestly, I do. Yeah. I would like you to to introduce some unhealthy really? elements to my person. How else can I learn? I mean, I I Rene Descartes everything. I doubted it down to nothing. Now, yeah. uh, my my friend here says he can bring things something new that would destroy me. No. I want to. <laughs> okay. Think he's okay. So here's Rene where Rene Descartes is a verb. What the. the <laughs> the destroy me part is like uh like kind of like an adversarial kind of way of like thinking about it though like i would have just presented an outsider test for what you're hearing so you can just repeat back so imagine you are listening to somebody else talk about their belief and you say without this belief what kind of person would you be and they'd say you know life would be terrible i'd be a terrible person i would do all these horrible things like and let's say you think that person's also like maybe wrong or maybe misled or maybe possibly mistaken on that idea. Would you even touch their idea at all? Like, would you ask about it? Would you ask them questions that could reveal their reasoning isn't so reliable? Like, or would you just let them have their belief? That's a like, good you way to turn do it. it into an outsider test and That's just see what do. he says about other people who yeah. use beliefs as crutches, right? Yeah. Or say that they do out yeah. loud to like your that. face. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I get the feeling that the the two people listening are basically just waiting for the gotcha moment. And uh, and now he also sees it as, okay, let's, let's uh, go for it. Get, mm. Yeah, bring, bring it on. Give me, give me your yeah. best of, of getting to that gotcha moment um and suddenly it's it's a competition suddenly it's adversarial right. and it's that's the risk of people not even being in the conversation but just listening this could happen this framing was there from the very beginning like you know the moment they sit down together as you know to to, to have this sort of live experience it's it's too artificial you know sure. and, and you, you read know, the youtube comments and it's like all right well let's let's see this guy do his jedi mind tricks and see, you know like right, exactly. talk about anthony and like yeah all right mm -hmm. well let's yeah <laughs> right and, so, and he and he hadn't even heard of uh street epistemology before so i mean that surprises might be, me but, yeah. might be going yeah and it, yeah that also is a little surprising though that a lot of people who are going to a radio show to talk to secularists when you have a religious following in a podcast you might be you know expecting a debate and you yeah he, they they did mention that he would he'd been contacted a sort of an hour before the show it was sort of pulled in at, at the last minute so i think you know there, there's some 
some some context there for sure. Um, but then he has Rene Descartes all his ideas, so that's uh, <laughs> that's going on my wall of fantastic verbs. I like it. <laughs> to destroy I, or, or to hurt me. I want you to give me your best stuff because then I can respond with what I think is our reasonable answers. Let's see where it gets us. But like Sean, when I interviewed with you a couple of years ago, yeah. I think you said to me something like, like, I would kill a dude on the side of the road if oh. I didn't have a belief in Jesus. I, I stopped, I'm not trying to misquote you. Yeah, no, you're, you're but, about but, right. Yeah. And it's, it's not rhetoric, John. I am a fucker. <laughs> no, it's true. And so this is why I am so deeply committed to the thing that happened to me so many years ago and have consistently been committed to it. Okay, let me cover this real quick. This relates to another comment Joseph made, like, or perhaps similarly a history of violence, which the belief prevents might be a place to draw a line. That's another potential drawing of the mm -hmm. line. Yeah. But let's just listen to this clip real quick and we'll get some uh, context here for my comments. Maybe another example's in, in order. You've probably heard this thing before. Uh, I've had this thrown at me a large number of times. Well, there has to be a God, because if there is no God, people would be raping and stealing and killing at a whim. So there has to be a God. So let's play the game. Let's I don't think the people that say this are scary. Now, there are some people out there who think that people who say things like this are properly scary individuals. They're terrified by this. And they coach other people to be terrified by this because they don't understand. They don't understand what people are meaning when they say this. Now, I think, in fact, that every person who's ever said this to me, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but every person who's ever said something like that to me is not scary. And I think, I think by saying it, they're even proving it. They're saying raping, stealing, killing, all of the other kinds of immoral things are immoral and they're bad. And I wouldn't do them. They're the opposite of scary people. And it's not a flimsy belief in God that's stopping them from raping, stealing, or killing. If they lost their faith, they would still be the same decent individuals. They just don't know how to conceive of it otherwise. So think about it for a moment. Let's take out God and put back in morals. What are these people saying? They're saying, without morals, we would do immoral things. It's not scary. That's obvious. There you go. So, you know, I a great model for conceptualizing God and religious beliefs in general is meeting these certain psychological needs. And one is a way to make sense of morals and morality. And when you substitute God for just morals, it makes their beliefs more clear. You get more clarity around what they're meaning. Hmm. So what you're really, what Anthony's really saying, what, what this conversation is framed about, like if he loses his God belief, what that is translating in his head is, if I lose my moral beliefs or just my, lose my morality or way to like lose that. Maybe I, I hear what you're saying. And I like that. That was good. And and most of the time when you hear that sort of rhetoric, that is exactly the, the way to frame it. I would agree with it, but could we acknowledge that it's possible for somebody who is emotionally disturbed to believe that God is causing them to want to kill people and do horrific acts I think we've heard stories like that, and we know that for some people, that is how they've interpreted and framed the motivation that they have to do some terrible things. And therefore, is it possible that if psychology could be uh, 
skewed in that way, that it could also be skewed in the other way, that maybe that you you could be psychologically compromised to the extent that you're actually, your belief in this one thing, whether it's real or not, might actually be preventing you from doing terribly bad things. So in I, I sense it, it divorces you from morality in a sense. Yeah, it's not a moral thing, I don't think. It's it's a it's an injunction almost. It, I think, yeah, that's that was also my thought. Uh, I, I try to imagine like there are serial killers who say that they have this battle inside of them, basically. They know that they shouldn't be doing this, but they have this urge to do it, and sometimes this this part of them that that and it's fighting them from or preventing them from doing things maybe if that if they thought that that was god and then they let go of their faith maybe they would actually feel now nothing's stopping me anymore now i can do it so i think it's it it, it you could you could imagine that happening but i think it probably in almost all like in in probably 99 of the cases or something it's probably exactly what this guy described it's just people saying without morals i wouldn't be moral yeah I also wonder if, if in some ways, the presence of God or God acting in your life is just a synonym for saying, I feel moral impulses, and I can't explain where they come from, but maybe I'm just describing them as God acting in my life, just in the same way that people may describe the tingly feeling when you listen to beautiful music as the Holy Ghost. Maybe, maybe so therefore, if it is a semantics game for some people, maybe by saying living without God, you're, you are actually saying living without morals, because for them, those two things are essentially the experience of God in their life is the experience of feeling moral, moral impulses. Um, and so maybe you are saying living without morals. Which, of course, just means that you would have to, uh, to talk about the connection. Like, usually it's, people aren't saying God is morals. Those two words are t identical to me. They, they yeah. conflate with all these other things, like it's it's some sort of being that created the universe and it, et cetera. So you'd have to to look at it, are these other uh, these other components necessary, or could we just have morals? And yeah, it would be atypical for sure. Like we have a certain evolved nature, and we live in a certain culture which gives much more influence on our behavior than a mere flimsy belief in God, as Lindsay said there. I think it's safe. It's, it's not a risk. It's not so much of a risk to <laughs> people, uh, lose their faith in God. I think the risk might be there, but it is minuscule. Uh, that's my, my claim. Yeah, uh, you yes, and people are complicated and everybody's different. Just check in with everybody everybody's an individual <clears throat> broadly speaking though most people are going to be fine I, I i would agree by the way all of the things that we're describing are real edge cases i mean they they really yeah and there are edge cases you know like school yeah. shootings or whatever like there are people that just yeah. will go nuts so but most people won't do that mm -hmm. all right keep going here i know what i am john if you cut me off and i didn't know you and i wasn't a i wasn't didn't have the change in me I would pull over to the side of the road and we would go at it. You know, I would take your wife if I could. I've done it to other men. I would do whatever my flesh wanted to freaking do. Yeah. When he came scary. in, brother. Uh, I don't know what exactly he's saying, but that's a little frightening. <laughs> but it's escalating, isn't it? Again, he's, yeah. he's elevating the, the impact of this thing. Brother, you became my friend and my neighbor. And if, and, and that, 
I just can't turn from that. And I think what Anthony's saying is he, we would never want to be responsible for uh, triggering any sort of unhealthy event that it's, might, that might you're follow. You're not going to trigger anything. I, he that is in me, as we say as Christians, anyway. is greater <laughs> than he that is in the world. Yeah, he's like talking out both sides of his mouth like the entire time. It's really weird. Because he Terrible. doesn't believe he could have it. He doesn't believe his belief will be challenged. He, he he's read a card it. He doesn't believe, so he's not taking seriously oh, the implication that it could be challenged. And as a result, mm -hmm. he's happy to say all this. Wow. World, and it's not saying you guys are of the world. Bring your stuff. So because so, I don't think there's anything that you're going to bring that's going to unmoor the yeah. decades of searching and reading and studying from Greek to Roman philosophy to the Hebrew to the Greek. All Challenge accepted. Yeah, oh, I don't think you can from, from literary like arguments from philosophy, history, and all of these are evidentiary, which apparently were introduced to him on on the road. Um, is this really where he got his belief from? It seems unusual. For it, it's because of the experience I've had and the fervency that comes out of me in this. Well, see, that's what we would explore. Is we if I agreed to do it, because it seems like you're receptive, but with SE, we want to have two willing participants. And this might be one of the rare situations where there's one that's not. Wow. Yeah. But let me just say that if we were to continue, I wouldn't be, I would want to find out what was the biggest reason for thinking that this is true. And you've revealed it, I think. Yeah. You mentioned study and everything just now, but I think it was that roadside experience that you had. Absolutely. That is the biggest thing. So what I would be doing is asking you questions that would challenge your conclusions. I'm sure you experienced something, but it's what you're attributing it to that I'm, that I would be exploring with you. I would love to do that. I don't know if we have time on this show, but come on our show. If we have time, no, now, we have let's time. do it. For sure. We have time. Come we on, have, overcome it's, it's, that. And... It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of my willingness. And okay. will you think about it? Yeah. Let me think about it. So can I, can I jump in and just please, ask a question? Please. please. Well, and you're the expert, Anthony, and I'm just learning about street epistemology. It Wait, almost seems like day, if you again, were to proceed like, with the conversation. He said he didn't want to do it, and he was firm and clear about that. And like, given the context and the situation, I think that was remarkable. Like, he had all the pressure in the world. It was built up, and, and, you know, with us interrupting it as well. You don't get a sense of the sort of pressure so much building up because, uh, but if you watch the original video, you'll just feel like there's a strong cadence there that's building up this cage match between anthony and this this conversation partner and, and <laughs> to back common. away from it to back away from it in in that moment with all of that at stake this i time. think that's amazing i honestly yeah, just totally affordable like it's it's just uh and i, and I think it's a uh, at the end of the day we were talking about whether or not you should continue or not and what, what the reasons and, and the sort of motivations at the end of the day if you're not comfortable do not do it that's that's you, you should look after your own well-being first and i think if you're never comfortable if you're made to feel awkward or you're unsure if you're safe or anything don't yeah don't do it. it's not worth it right yeah i don't fault Anthony for not continuing. That's his choice. He, that's fine. And also, let's see that comment again. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that comment yeah. is fire. We should leave that up. Yeah. Hey, hey, Anthony, Anthony. This may all hurt people. Oh, you want to stop? Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that is, is very much yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, it's but that's fair. That means if someone's telling you kind of in so many ways they don't want to talk about their belief, then that's you know, yeah. I mean, that's basically most of the chat. Or the, they they continue a little bit, like the uh, the other hosts continue to talk with them. But uh, I think the most the main part with Anthony is over.
Yeah, yeah. Well, in that case, I can just summarize some part that I was kind of waiting for to hear, which is later on in the interview. Uh, what's the IL's name again? Uh, Sean. Sean, right. Sean says, um, in my heart, and he, he gives a number on the scale of confidence. In my heart, I'm like a 10. And in my intellectual mind, I'm more like a 5 or a 4 or a 3. Yes. And that would have been a great right. opportunity to distinguish what he means by the difference between those two numbers. And also, if he thinks that it might not be true, like in the external world, like an external truth, but some rather a value that it's good to hold this idea. So he's like maybe almost even tricking his mind into thinking something is true intellectually. I would have asked if he believed that this belief was like a placebo effect hmm. for himself. Like, are you um, believing in this in order to achieve an, a certain end rather than believing in a true thing? Yeah, here's that section real quick. Okay, great. If you had to give it a number, I'm curious what number you'd give it. Um, intellectually? Uh, a, a four or five, a three or four or five, uh, from my heart, a 10, 10. Yeah. But this is pretty consistent. He's been saying all along that he doesn't really think of it as capital T true. He's, he doesn't believe it epistemologically. Like he's not, he's, he's claiming that he needs it to be true. Like his claim is not one of like the claim being true necessarily, or, not not really that strongly but it, the claim really has all along has been that he needs this claim to be a healthy good person yeah and i just want to mm -hmm. uncover what it, like placebos i want to sure. know what he thinks about placebos and if you were to discover a placebo uh wasn't it was a sugar pill if you were taking a sugar pill to be a good person yeah. do you need the sugar pill I think he, again earlier in the conversation he did say that you know if the, if there was a medicine that he could take that would have the same effect and give me the medicine he was saying you know he kind of was open to the idea that if he could get the same result through a different method like he would right well like that. if we can step outside and abstractly look at the what's going on and we recognize it's a sugar pill can't we just use that can't we just I don't know I would ask more questions I, about that I think you know given. I've watched plenty of Nathan's videos, and I think, I think Nathan's the one here to. If there's a conversation to go forward with this gentleman, I think I'd oh, like to no. see. I'd like to see Nathan do it. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and if this also um, reminds me of what he said in the beginning about the crutch, like he religion to him is or his faith is a crutch, and do you really need a crutch? And how do you, like could you try walking? without the crutch and see if it works without it. Like, wouldn't that be great if you just had working legs and you didn't need a crutch anymore? And how would you ever find that out if you were always using the crutch because you were so sure you could only walk with that? Yeah, yeah it's difficult. Yeah. It, it seems like, oh, it seems like what he's saying is kind of like, if you have a better crutch that I can use, I'd like to know what that crutch is, but I'll hold on to this crutch because I have it and it's working for me. 
Uh, yeah, well, how about we just have healthy legs? Yeah, we're just in a sea of crutches. That's <laughs> not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just yeah. don't be an asshole. Like, <laughs> like it seems like well, it, it's interesting to know. Like, what what is it about this faith that makes him like? Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I as I say, respect Anthony for not exploring it, but it, it seems like such an interesting claim in some respects because it, you know it, it doesn't necessarily have to be true. He genuinely believes it to be useful. He genuinely believes that his life would be transformed essentially if this wasn't true. No, not even if it wasn't true. If he stopped believing in it, um, yeah. which is very important difference. Um, yeah, and and I think the reality is, uh, it's it's hard to understand. Just kind of, what, why not just not be a asshole? If he recognizes this other person is an unpleasant and unhelpful, unkind monster, in the way that he describes, why? What? Why does he not just not want to be that person? And what is what component of his belief is is what's holding that down? I would love to know. Um, but yeah, but I, but it's still applaud Anthony for for stepping away. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was just like uh, it was so civil and mm -hmm. it was like yeah, that uh, was be. great talk. I'm really glad we got a chance to do this review because because we were originally going to do it with with sort of myself and, and another person and we were going to do it and I thought no this video is too important too interesting yeah. a video not not to, to to get you guys on this one and uh, Lisa as well thank you for being here it's been yeah, thank you Lisa it's great <laughs> to see you yeah definitely the ethics of SE we we're, we're I'm sure we'll be revisiting this more there's Kara hey Kara hey, oh, oh yeah oh well hey, what's up? yeah really good episode. I would love to know what it felt like in the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could do another review show of like the next episode after this. Like, I think there's yeah. some role play that I haven't even watched that yet. I need to watch I that. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that one yet either. It's fantastic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Mormon stories was way more controversial, huh? Wow. Was it like, I want to know more about that? Something like yeah. the comments blow up or something? Did you get a bunch there of, a lot of comments views? Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it later, but anyway, cool. Any yeah. uh, any last words, anybody? No, that was great. Thanks That's for hosting, y'all. Yeah, it was yeah. been good. One. All right, Lisa, I'm gonna. Which video should I watch? If I watch, what's the first video I you think I should watch? Of mine. Yeah, yeah I don't watch any of them. It's too embarrassing. <laughs> oh, don't watch any of them. No, no. <laughs> All right. No. Well, uh, there was one that I saw that I actually really enjoyed. I just, I'm actually, I'm, 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 I just want to eat up all the interviews. Give me more interviews. I'd love to see more, more. from you. Yeah. Yeah. There's more coming. I've got some stuff in the works. So, all right. Just awesome. Getting time to do it and yeah, making yeah, it yeah. happen. It's super cool. So. Meanwhile, if you watch this and you got to the end, get out there and do some SE. Please well, do. My, 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 an interview coming up on my channel is actually my interview with Lisa. So, you oh, guys should watch that. <laughs> It was super good fun. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be cool. Thanks, People guys. Anthony was going to roast him. Didn't understand how SE works with, and we were disappointed. Yeah, this is the yeah. problem. It's not, it's not necessarily know. a very good spectator sport and yeah. uh, and even less so when it when it doesn't happen. <laughs> but again, <laughs> lots of pressure. Cool, cool. All right, well, thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See ya. Bye-bye. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here, or not expressed here, do not necessarily represent those of the organization. <laughs>